Hi, welcome to Mom, I'm Making a Movie Podcast. My name is Adam. I'm here with my co-hosts, Fergus and Gogan. I'll keep this intro short because trust me, there'll be plenty of time to be bored to death later with this. This is episode one, so please, please be kind in the reviews. Um, this is all being done remote for now, so apologies if the sound isn't perfect just yet. We're still working out the kinks and getting into the swing of things. We're here hopefully to give you a funny and interesting look at movies in a way that we hope you haven't heard before. We've got hopefully some different content. We'll be having a few beers. It'll be a relaxed enough approach. You can listen to us on the way home from work or while pretending to do work. Hopefully, we're the movie conversations you have with your friends in the pub or bar. And by that, I mean shouting loudly, drunkenly and incoherently. We're not being experts, but we're excited about movies and making enjoyable content for you guys. So with all that out of the way, here's what we have for you today. We're going to open with a breakdown of some movie trailers recently that we had a look at. Then we're going to get into Brad Pitt's career, the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows. We'll be followed up by Movie Love Lockdown, where we'll be giving movie recommendations from several different streaming sites. Then we're going to get into uh, our own movie that we're hopefully going to try and chip away at week to week. It'll be our own little personal movie. We'll get into a bit more detail of that later. And then lastly, we'll be giving each other some movie recommendations for the following week. So that's what we got for you guys today. I'm going to pass you over to my co-anchor, Fergus. Thank you, Adam. Um, yeah, as Adam said, this is just a little bit of fun. Uh, we're three friends that enjoy movies. I'm a self-confessed cinephile, which means I have to stay at least five feet from the cinema at all times. Um but I enjoy film. Uh, and as Adam said, it's not too serious. We're by no means experts. Um, we are going to be having drinks during this and we're always going to be having drinks during this. Uh, and we might mention a few brands because we're looking for sponsorship if you're listening. Uh, but we'll, we're going to have a few drinks. We might get more incoherent as we go along. And there's going to be some very strong-minded opinions, especially from me. Uh, so look, I'm going to pass you on to Gogan. Thanks, Ferg. And thanks, Adam, for the introduction there. So as you hear from the guys there, it's going to be very lighthearted, an easy listen. There'll be a few jokes in there, of course. The more you'll listen to this podcast, you'll know that I'm in it for the little guy. Enjoy the podcast. Let, let us know if, if, if you like it, what, what we can improve on. Um, but we're going to get stuck in here now to episode one. So, Adam. Thank you, David. Yeah, so part one here is our trailer breakdown. We've had a look at a few trailers that have been out over the last few months. <clears throat> and since it's our first episode, we're going to pick the best and the worst to kind of delve into. So I'm going to pass it over to Fergus. Yeah, far away with it. Uh, yeah, um, my movie is called uh, Wild Mountain Waste of Time. Um, it's actually Wild Mountain Time. And that's time as in the, the herb, I believe. Um, um, as someone who's, who's, first of all, you know, dabbled at trying to be an actor, um, it really pisses me off when uh, non-Irish actors are given lead roles in, in very Irish films. And look, if they can do a good Irish accent, fair play to them. You know, they were hired for a reason. I don't like when they're hired for, for their star power and like this is what's going to pull them in. If they're shit in the film, they're shit in the film. If they can't do the accent, they can't do the accent. I'll give you a quick synopsis. Headstrong farmer Rosemary Muldoon, Muldoon like, has her heart set on winning her neighbour Anthony Riley's love. The problem is Anthony seems uh, to have inherited a family curse. Jesus and remains oblivious to his beautiful admirer, a family curse. Like, it's, it's, what is that? Stung by his father's plan to sell the farm to his American nephew. I mean, it's just a rip off of the field in a way, isn't it? 
like it really pisses me off. Like I watched this trailer and, and I liked nothing about it. The the best thing about this trailer was um I feel that um Christopher Walken uh has a better Irish accent than I ever thought he could do. That was probably my one takeout from it. Um the Irish accents are bad. Uh Jamie Dornan, who is an Irish actor from now he is from, from the north of Ireland. But uh, I don't know why they just couldn't have used his normal accent. Um, it would have worked fine. He's a handsome man. I get why you'd pick him for the role. Um, Emily Blunt, shocking. I don't know who the dialect coach. I don't know who the dialect. Co- I, I've been. I've been actually googling it, and I think that they're deliberately hiding his name because there was such outrage about this film that I feel like they yeah really blew they, up. Yeah, I feel like they bundled whoever the, the dialect coach was into a van. Drove him to the airport in a fucking unmarked plane and, and flown him to a country where we can't get to him because he should be shot. Um, <laughs> it, it's absolutely ridiculous. It, like, and, and this is the thing as well that only the accents bad. It looks like a really, really poor film. It's a really, yeah. really basic plotline. It's just a stupid love affair in the countryside. And look, I, I tried to give it as much credit as I could. Um, I actually found out that it's uh, originally a play. Uh, John Patrick Shanley is the director of the film, but he's also the writer of the actual original play. The original play is called Outside Mullingar. Um, and I was like, look, okay, maybe maybe the film isn't... Look, if you take plays, sometimes they don't transfer very well to film. Um, it doesn't do them justice, maybe. So I looked up Outside Mullingar. I couldn't get you know a live production or anything of it. Um, but uh, I read some reviews, and it's funny because... Um, it's very indicative of, of, of what this trailer is. In my mind, this trailer is made for American audiences. It's this picturesque, idealized dream world of what Ireland is like in Americans' eyes. Because if you read the reviews of this outside Mullingar play, um, the American press loved it. USA Today it was like, oh, it was great, it was amazing. Um, you know, they actually said, oh, look, if you had to set this in a, in a city, in an urbanized uh, area, it wouldn't have worked. But because of the, the lack of, <laughs> I, th- I think they said something about the lack of uh, options if you live in the countryside of Ireland, the lack of romantic options. That's why it works. It's just, it's absolutely ridiculous. And then I read, when it came to Ireland, I read the actual reviews of, by, by the Irish Times um, and actually one from The Guardian from the UK. And it was absolutely slated. And this is why I was like, I'll give it the benefit of the doubt. Maybe the play was good. Americans loved it. It came here. Irish people hated it. The English hated it. The English even said it was this overly Irish, awful piece of crap. Um, uh, well, Mountain Time, minus one out of ten. You're, you're going minus already. If, if I can take one thing from that trailer, one thing is that I thought Christopher Walken had a better Irish accent than I thought he could have done. That's all I'll take out of it. And it's still shit. He's gone straight in, Butler. He's gone straight in with his minus figure. Yeah, I completely agree. It looks terrible. It looks like an official sequel to Darby O'Gill and the Little People. Really? I just think, look, as Irish people, um, you should be offended. And I, I, I have to say, I'm overjoyed with the reaction that it got because I love yeah, that it it, I wasn't alone in my thing. It blew up. like Twitter, Facebook, everywhere. I like to think, like, I think this movie would have had huge success trailer wise like 15 20 years ago and i actually think like people are kind of smarter now to kind of like look at this and go actually i've seen this a thousand times and it's not good ps i love you Mm -hmm. whatever so while i do think it'll make money i think it's kind of like this is a film that could have came out 18 years ago yeah no absolutely and like the thing about it is is that 
it's such a, a basic idea. It's like it's been done to death. It's not even an interesting film. But John Patrick Shanley, you've, you've shot yourself in the foot with this one. Yeah, not going to be a fan of the podcast. John, send us in for the rewrites. Uh, <laughs> Colomini is going to play Jamie Dornan's character. Colomini <laughs> is Anthony Riley. That's what you want. Oh, Jesus! <laughs> it, it's already 100% better. So uh, we're locking that in. Minus we'll, one out of ten for our first movie trailer. We'll move on. David, I'll pass it over to you for your movie trailer. Um, what do you got for us? Brilliant. Thanks, Adam. Uh, so, yeah, I was pretty lucky here. I got a, uh, a movie called Fat Man. Interesting trailer, to say the least. Starring Mel Gibson and Walton Goggins. Walton Goggins, one of my favourite actors. Uh, Mel Gibson, I, I would, I'd be lying if I say I didn't enjoy previous movies he has been in. Um, I'll just give you a quick summary. So, uh, Mel Gibson plays Santa Claus, but he must contend with a hitman sent from a disappointed child. The hitman is Walton Goggins. The trailer itself, it, it's it's brilliant. You know, it, you start off watching, you're, you're you're quite unsure what you know what exactly is going on. Then you slowly start to figure out Mel Gibson is playing Santa Claus, and that uh, Walton Goggins is a hitman that's sent to kill Santa. I have to say, I really in, in, enjoyed the trailer. Uh, it looks like something new. You know, I haven't really seen this idea before. It looks funny. I actually can't wait to watch it. And again, yeah, we need something new for Christmas. O- overall, my trailer rating. I'm going as high as 8 out of 10. Uh, I agree. I, I saw that trailer and I think I agree with you, Gavin. I think that it's something new. Like, I don't think there's been a good Christmas film in a while. Uh, but what do you think? What, what's your opinion on this? Yeah, I think it looks great, interesting, something different. I like as much, I'm a so-so Christmas person. Mm, I, would go, I would go further than that and say you hate Christmas. Hate but you love a Christmas movie. I love a Christmas. I love Christmas movies. I love Christmas songs. What's your favorite um, movie? Rich? I love like you know the wintry setting. It's just actually having to interact with people. It's, it's the downfall. <laughs> this is why I'm doing a podcast. I hate people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I adore a good Christmas film, especially obviously ones that don't like are quirky. Take like Die Hard is a Christmas film, but it's not the most conventional. And same with Fat Man here. It's a Christmas movie. So Santa Claus is the protagonist, but obviously has something different. Hitman, spoiled child. You can't really go wrong. I would be and your favorite actor. Looking forward to seeing it. Walton got like I, I that's why I don't even want to mention his name because I'll start frosting at the mouth here and I'll go down my Walton got the rabbit hole of his unbelievable catalog of work. Yeah, so just to sum up on YouTube, I'm very much looking forward to uh, checking out Fat Man. I think that's a, a perfect time to bring it back to Adam now for his movie. Um, Adam, what movie did you get this week? So I've picked Judas and the Black Messiah. It's going to be a major Oscar contender. And I'll go as far as to say it's the best trailer I've ever seen. And this is only episode one of Trailer Breakdown. Basically, the plot is Daniel Cayula of Get Out plays a Black Panther leader named Fred Hampton. Uh, and now Fred Hampton is, was, was a real person and he actually pops up in the movie The Trial of the Chicago 7 that came out recently on Netflix. Good film. His character's in a bit of it as well. So Lakeith Stanfield of Atlanta and also Ghetto, great actor. Uh, basically, he's a petty thief and he's been told that he can either go to prison for seven years for a very small crime or he can go undercover as a Black Panther and expose Fred Hampton. Uh, Jesse Plemons of Friday Night Lights plays an FBI agent he's just fantastic and everything 
Martin Sheen plays J. Edgar Hoover, which I'm looking forward to seeing Martin Sheen as a dress. It's directed by an up-and-comer called Shaka King. Don't know much of his work, but looking forward to this. Another reason I think we can mention this trailer now is we don't really want to get too political on our podcast here, but it's so topical, race in America. I mean, you can look at this trailer, take out the outfits and the style, and this could literally be happening in America today. Like, it's very relevant. The trailer alone has this incredible energy. Like, if you ever imagine you could work out exercise to a trailer, the buzz you get from watching this, it's very energetic, it's very infectious. Uh, the song on the trailer, if anyone goes off and listens to it, um, it's a song called False Prophet by Pusher Magic. Um, I recommend just giving that a listen anyway. But look, that's pretty much the nuts and bolts of what I've got from that. Um, you guys watched it as well. I think yeah. you'd agree with me overall, would you? Absolutely, yeah. Um, um, unbelievable. I know it's a it's a big thing to hang your hat on uh, so early in, in the first podcast, but it, it is. It's definitely up there with um, with some of the best trailers I've ever seen. Um, I, and I, I just, I hope and hope and hope so badly that it doesn't let me down because I've watched so many trailers that didn't quite live up. Some films that were good, some films that were awful. Um, I don't. I, I personally don't think this film's going to be awful because I, I really like the actors that are in it. Um, the Keith especially. Um, uh, I think, what is that film called? Um, Sorry to Bother You. Sorry to Bother You, that's the one. Thank you, Adam. Um, I love that one. Love this. I, I think he's great. I think he's funny. He's just a real chill character. I like watching him. He's a real chilled character. He's like someone I'd love to hang out with. Um, he's great in Atlanta as well. He's just like, he seems like a nice guy. And I didn't know that Ramon Estevez is going to be in the film as well. Yes, the, the original of the Estevez is. <laughs> yeah. Gogan, you did as well, did you? Yeah, I, I, I was just going to say, like, start to finish, just looks like a fantastic movie. Yeah. I, I really like your point that you raised there, that if you could work out to a movie trailer, this would be it. Just motivational-wise, I can't wait to see it. I really do hope it turns out to be as good as it looks. It just makes you want to get up and do something. Like, like the speech yeah. is in it. And that, like I said, like that can be done really wrong. Like If someone does a really impassioned speech in, in, a, in a film, if they don't get it right, it sounds off, it sounds cheesy, and you're just like, ugh, stop, please. But that was just, it was intense, it was great, it was stirring, I loved everything about it. I'm, I'm really, really excited for it. Yeah, and it could be a couple of potential Oscars for Lakeith and Daniel. Like even in the trailer, you can see you can see the white to Daniel's eyes. Um, he, <laughs> you know, he's so intense, he's so into it. It looks probably be, it's a nine out of ten. You're so, locking in nine though. I'm locking in nine, but when the movie comes back, it might change my opinion. Obviously, ten on the trailer. It's something that I'd love to see in in, in the cinema. Um, Fat Man, I don't mind. Fat Man comes out, I'd watch that at home. That seems like something I'd love to watch on the hungover. Maybe just a random cold evening. I don't mind if that comes out there. Wild Mountain Time, that's like straight to DVD. Straight to fucking, straight to someone's dodgy boot in the middle of a car park selling you DVDs out of the back of his car. Would you, if Wild Mountain Time was on Netflix, would you would you take a gander for curiosity? Well, uh, well I'm, I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to because, I, I as I said, I'm just going to watch it to, to reassure myself on how bad it's going to be. Like, this could be the worst thing since Jared Butler trying to do an Irish accent. Like, he actually apologised live on television. What else can fall for him to make a movie? Eiffel Tower down. You leave those <laughs> movies alone. <laughs> do you like those films? I've never actually watched. Easiest watches in the world. Olympus is the first one. London's the second one. There's three of them. The third one isn't good. 
it doesn't hold up. <laughs> like I can defend the first two, I can't defend the third one. But White House Down, I actually thought was good compared to those. I thought they were the same films for ages. They are the same. The White House Down, more one's just more American, I think. But look, I, I think the best way to sum it up is just go over the uh, ratings again. So, Fergus, you jumped in with a minus one. I jumped in with an eight out of ten. And Adam jumped in with a 9 out of 10. There we are. We'll wait until they actually hit the cinemas until we can revisit those scores. Yeah, let's revisit these down the line. Hi, welcome back to part two of Mom, I'm Making a Movie Podcast. And if you stick around for this, God help you. So our next topic is Actor of the Week, where we're going to... Basically, pick an actor, and we're going to talk about his top-rated and his worst-rated film. We picked an actor, and we quickly watched his worst film. Unfortunately, we've seen his best film. And the actor this week was none other than Brad Pitt. And I just have to say, off the bat, one actor to start with, like, in my opinion, the most movie star, movie star of all time. So his top-rated film is technically 12 Years a Slave. As the guys will say here, fantastic film but it's not really a Brad Pitt film now he produces it I think he's in it for a total of 10 minutes it's never it's not a Brad Pitt movie it's not a movie about Brad Pitt's character it's not relevant to what we want to do if we went to next in line which was Moneyball which was a personal favourite the three of ours and his worst rated film is a film called Cool World which it's the one of the worst things I've ever seen so I'm going to pass it over to Gogan first. And Gogan, you can run with this. What do you want to talk about first? To be honest, I'd rather get his bad movie out of the way with first because it was just so bad. Um, I think, yeah, let's get Cool World out of the way with first. Yeah. Um, and I think it'd be a nice way to finish, you know, to, to talk about a movie that we all, like at, at the end, we can all talk about Moneyball. It's a movie that we all do love. So yeah. um, I have a couple of points yeah. here listed down. I was watching this last night and I, I just couldn't couldn't kind of get over what I was watching obviously we, we know it starts Brad Pitt he plays Frank Harris who is actually a detective in the movie and it also starts Gabriel Byrne so like read, reading the cast you're like okay hang on a minute this this could be quite good um, a fun fact I actually found about this when I was doing a bit of research was it was put up for two uh, two awards now it was an MTV movie award and it was a Razzie award but oh, yeah, I, I, I thought it was quite funny. The MTV Movie Award was Most Desirable uh, Female, and then the Razzie Award was Worst Actress. So it's like really like one from, uh, <laughs> one from the top, one from the bottom, and both from Kim Brassinger. But you're hot, but shit. Yeah, you're hot, but shit. Exactly. Um, so look, I'm just going to give a quick plot summary. <laughs> I, to be honest, I could not summarize this movie because I honestly watched start to finish. I was like, "What is what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Like, what yeah. is going on here?" So, quick IMDb uh, re- review here. So, after a bizarre incident, Frank Harris, so Brad Pitt, is transported into a cartoon realm of Cool World, where he remains the only human among cartoon characters for years. So, it doesn't say much. But at the end of the day, it probably would summarize it better than better than I could. Um, the start of the movie is actually quite sad. Um, the the motorbike accident. I was like, oh, I was like, oh, I, I wasn't the, expecting I this. Oh, look, yeah, how it happens. Yeah, you know, the yeah. whole death he's scene. A, or like, oh, it's like, he's what's a bit going on? Into, his, into his mother, I think. 
I don't even know if it's into his mother, but it's it's really like unexplanatory that he just has this random war flashback. by a bike. No, but he has this like random, and he's like, and then it doesn't explain anything. Sorry, I won't I won't yeah. jump over your point, but it doesn't explain anything. No, it's like, it's like the, the first line is like, "Do you like my bike? I won it in a poker game in Italy." Why were you in? Why were you in yeah, Italy? Yeah. What? And and like when he's asked about what he does in the real world later on, he just says he's a veteran. And I was like, "Where did you get the money? Was were you were you posted in Italy? Is this the whole point of it? Like, it's you know, it's, it's obviously World War Two era. So was he in Italy and he won this beautiful shiny motorbike in Italy during the war? How did you get that sent back? That's a great point, Fergus. We we see him at the start getting off what what looks like a World War Two transport plane, and you're like, okay, is is this meant to be after the war? You know, he's obviously he's in army attire, but it would have killed him to say what year this is meant to be based in. You know, it would have helped in terms of maybe describing how he's after winning this uh, motorbike in Italy. <laughs> but uh, one of the points I do want to say, and it's something that me and Butler did agree on, the I like the old animation style. I kind of grew up with that. I always kind of would give it a pass. You know, if I see it, I, I'd easily watch it. But it's something that was like, oh, I'm going to like this at the start. But it just doesn't work with with the movie. I, I don't I don't dislike the animation. I, I I agree. Like I I like old animation, but I like old animation in the sense of like because then I remember like um the the, the X Men cartoon from the nineties. Like, I love that of course. Of animation. Like you or just the, don't get cartoons. Or the Spider Man one. Similar. Oh yeah, yeah, to say yeah, same kind of like Marvel, Marvel, yeah, like exactly. But like Marvel. But look at Space Jam. Uh, you can use Space Jam as well as an example. Like. Just yeah, like the, the, just the animation is just like it's second to none. It's, it's like it's mm. art put onto a screen, and now it's, it's all computerized bullshit. But um, I, I don't know. Like I at parts I was like that looks really cool. Other parts I was like this makes me feel sick. Um, the weird little uh, baby with the long nails was just yeah, what's going uh, on there? Horrific. It made me feel ill at certain parts, and I was like, "Oh god!" But look, I think who found Roger Rabbit was the was the late eighties. I think so. Yeah. Was it was eighty nine? Yeah. yeah. Sure. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was eighty nine. And then this film came out afterwards, like a good six years later. Maybe it was the budget, but I, I actually looked at the budget. It was it was near thirty million to to make the thing, and I'm like, "How did you not blend the animation?" With the real life characters as well as a film that came out six years previous to it, it's I, it's shocking. Like there's numerous parts where Brad Pitt's character puts his arm around the cartoon, and <laughs> I'm like, did you use a person as a basis for that, or is Brad Pitt putting his arm around Tin Air? Which I think he was. I think he was putting his arm around Tin Air, and he was working with with nothing. It, look, Ferg, that's one of the points I have down as well. Like there's multiple scenes in the movie with the humans and the cartoons that just doesn't look. Like obviously it's not real, but it should be made out to look real. Like mm. as you said, that 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 point there. There's a scene with uh, Gabriel Byrne and with the um, um, Kim Bassinger's character, and it just looks like he's sitting on one side, and that uh, he's he's been told to sit this way so that they could fit a cartoon into the actual movie. I'd say, look, it, it, it's an old movie, but something mm. like that, it, it shouldn't have been that hard to get right. No, um, and. and and it just doesn't add to the quality of the movie. When when you're nitpicking, this is something that you don't want to be nitpicking on top of as well. Um, oh, 100%. 100%. That's, that's definitely something that, that annoyed me. Oh, I, to be honest, when, when Kim Bessinger comes to human form, the movie slightly gets a bit of interest because she's absolutely gorgeous. But that's the only highlight for me. 
Um, that's literally what I brought down. Highlight, <laughs> Kim Messenger, gorgeous. Um, <laughs> and I, the last point I have as well, it's a very strange ending. Just kind of weird. I just, the animation kind of made me feel a bit sick after a while because it's so in your face and intense is the, probably the word I'd use to describe the animation style. So yeah. I just couldn't, I couldn't watch any more of it. I, I didn't understand any of it. Is, is Gary Brown supposed to be a villain in it? I mean, he murdered someone, but he's kind of like an anti-hero. Well, he, sports. I he, don't know. He, my understanding is he wrote the comic book Cool World. So he uh, designed all these characters. No. So, no. Right. See, that's... Yeah, I'm trying to jump in because that's how confused I was. I thought that was. So, yeah, I thought he no, was. No, no. So, thought he was designing them, though. No, so... So, so Gabriel Brown's character thinks that he has designed all these characters. And the thing is, is that Cool World's actually in an alternate dimension that coincides at the same time as the human world or the Noid world, as they call it. Um, and Gabriel Byrne was writing this comic because humans can go into this world through dreams. And he was saying, oh, I had visions of this. This is why I wrote a comic about it. And it's so popular. He's like, I created this world and designed it. But Brad Pitt's character makes it perfectly clear to him that you didn't design this world. This exists without you. You just saw visions of a world that already exists. So he put pen to paper. He thinks that he'd created it, but actually it's it's an alternate universe that already exists because the little scientist guy with the mustache, he's been working on trying to split the worlds, um, you know, together and, and, and Gabriel Byrne has never seen him before. So it's it's weird in the way that like, I thought it was going that way, that like, yeah. why, why is he getting sucked into a world that he created, but it's actually like an alternate dimension essentially very interesting and there yeah. you go that that probably makes the most amount of sense that if, if it, I makes, that. It, doesn't make, it still doesn't make sense it doesn't make a lick of sense it doesn't make a lick of sense oh i just thought it was extremely fetishized film like mm. i mean i looked up what the writers went on to do after this or before this or if they served any time in prison and it was <laughs> they, they never really worked again after this no i'm surprised um, but yeah, if you're gonna like, the best, I like I wrote this down because I thought it was a good quick summary of the film. It's like who framed Roger Rabbit meets Fifty Shades of Grey. It's just it's really it's so in, like this is not a film for children, and it's a film that I think makes adults feel uncomfortable. So who the fuck is gonna watch it? What was the rating? G thirteen. What? Like in from Roger Rabbit, they do it in a very clever way where like she's a cartoon that appears as attractive but there's nothing sinister about it she's just kind of there as like oh there's that attractive character in this it's really like they're all like Gabriel Berman's sleep with Kim Bassinger's sexy cartoon and uh, Brad Pitt wants to sleep with the other one I mean cartoons I assume they seem quite innocent don't even mind of their own then you have these kind of Gabriel Burns was quite predatory towards them and stuff and between the animation and the story and everything it's one of the most uncomfortable hour and 40 minutes or so that I watched the film like the thing about it is right it's yeah the animation and the blending of the characters is bad yeah the acting is hammy but the thing about it is is that like you're completely right but it's it's a total fetishist film like but it's a very certain type of film and when I when I read up about it and and I just couldn't believe how hyper sexualized it was and the whole plot revolves around sex. Like, 
the whole reason she wants to get out of the cartoon world is because she wants to have sex. When she gets out of the cartoon world, she wants to have sex with everyone that's in the room. That's that's the only reason she wants to get out. And 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 the, and then the, the biggest law in cool world is that humans and uh, cartoons can't have sex. That's yeah. the big. That's the big. So the whole plot line revolves around them having sex. So there's obviously something behind that. And I was like, I'd love to look up who this is. And and, and, and I'm with Ian Butler. I looked up, up, up the director. And I was just like, you know, what what has he done? What else has he done? Um, Ralph, Ralph Bashki, is it? Yeah, yeah. So I looked him up and I was like, okay, I want to see who this person is. And, and yeah, like you said, Butler, um, that was the last film he did to date. There's been nothing else. And... When I had looked up, he was more of a, a cartoonist, more of an artist. Um, and sometime around when this film was being made, um, he'd said that from his drawings and his and his art, in the space of like nine years, he'd he had made something like I think it was something like nine grand and it wasn't working. He was like, I need to try and make some money, I'll make this film. It was a film called Fritz the Cat. So Fritz the Cat came out in the seventies, it's Ralph uh, Bakshi. Um, that was one of his first ones, an indie one that he brought out. And if you watch that, that will tell you all you need to know about what Cool World was supposed to be, uh, and in his mind. I mean, it's it's full-on X-rated, and, and Fritz the Cat's whole thing is that he does drugs, and then he goes off and he bangs all these uh, other you know people in his vicinity. And so when he wanted to make this film, initially he wanted to make it the same kind of thing. He wanted to make it X-rated, and that will give you a view into what maybe Mr. Ralph uh, Bakshi is into, you know, again, yeah. I'm not, I'm yeah. not putting them, I'm not king shaming here. If you're, in, you're into what you're into, but it, it's what he wanted to be. And apparently, when Kim Basinger came on the film, she was one of the people that was like, I think that we need to tone this down. Well, his original script was as X rated as that. So <laughs> if you ever watch this film, there's a, a really uncomfortable seduction slash sex scene way too long. It's like, you could have, you could have stopped that. And you get it's a sex scene with a cartoon, like it's it's just yeah. weird. Look, if you if you if you even watch a clip of this Fritz the Cat film, and he wanted the X rated, like how X rated that was for this, yeah. And then eventually they were like, no, it needs to be PG. Part of the reason why the film failed was because it was trying to be something else, then it got toned down. Yet it was still too much for that toning down, and also. The plot line is garbage. It makes no sense. It, it just, it comes out with nonsensical crap. So much of the film just didn't make sense. We, we could do a whole episode on it. We, we, we really could. It just doesn't make sense. Most movies, when people revert and go into kind of roles and hide away from society, you still have so much to live for. It, that's why I thought he was way a bit too much into mother. My mommy died, so now I don't really want to live in the real world and I'm going to blue ball myself at cartoons for the next 45 years. It's just like, that's, that's what I'm saying. I could forgive shitty animation. I could forgive shitty graphics, but the storyline and the script and everything about it makes little to no sense. There's no explanation. It was literally just a film that he wanted to put out because he wanted to have sex with cartoons. And that's it. Really? That's in a nutshell what it is. Yeah, look, I mean, look, there's nothing wrong. As I said, look, you're into what you're into. If I was given 23 million to make whatever the fuck I'm into sexually, <laughs> God knows what it would be. I'm not going to reveal that on air. This is the thing. Like, the man was given 23 million dollars to make his fetish on screen and it, it made, you know, it made half that money, but... Right, I think we should really wrap it up here. We should really lock in a rating. You start um, us off. I have one out of ten down. 
10. And I really struggled not to give this zero a 10. I'd love to give it zero as well. But I'll, I agree with your, your one out of 10. It has, I, I think it was a, a 6% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go one. And uh, Butler? Oh, well, it rounds off with another one out of 10. Like, I mean, it's that's, that one is for the animation and the fact that, like, yeah. At this stage, Brad Pitt's a very novice actor, and I think he does his best with absolutely nothing. One out of ten is like showing up. It's your participation badge. Yeah, so I thought I thought he was quite bad in it, but look, I don't. I thought he was bad, that. but look, he's early on in his career, and look, this will show you. Look where you can go. Exactly, and that's a great way to introduce our good movie. Who wants to take the lead on this one? I think you should, as as the most recent patron to to Moneyball. I think you should take the lead. Well, thank you very much, Fergus. Um, stuck for a movie to watch and was in the mood of something kind of motivational and easy going as well. Both Ferg and Butler said, why don't you watch Moneyball? It's on Netflix. Brad Pitt, Jonah Hill. I was like, okay, great cast. I'll watch any form of movie based around sport. Look at real, real life uh, true story as well. For the listener who doesn't know what Moneyball is, just a quick synopsis again. A successful attempt to assemble a baseball team on a lean budget by employing a computer-generated analysis to acquire new players. So, uh, overall, I, I, I think I know we're kind of we're here to compliment Brad Pitt, but Jonah Hill really adds to, uh, oh, to yeah. Brad Pitt's character. I think throughout mm. the movie, it's it's fantastic. I, I loved it. I actually loved it from start to finish. I loved it. I, it's fantastic. Like I, honestly, because like I, I remember watching it, and Ferg, you you remember this is going to this. The listeners won't have a clue what I'm talking about, but I, I'd be a big Ireland football fan, and it was we're, we're still going through the phase of dodgy results, but it was it was the phase we just lost to Slovakia um, on penalties, and I was just in a fell mood, and this really picked me back up. It, it, it tells a great story. I loved it from start to finish. Um, but I, I really am interested to hear what you guys think about it. I, I couldn't fault it. I, I really couldn't fault it. I, I adore it. It's, it's a great film. Like It's written by Aaron Sorkin, who just wrote The West Wing. You'll see writes unbelievable characters. And these are real people, so he even has more to work off than usual. And I think like just from watching Cool World and this, it kind of ha- hammers home the fact when you're trying not to be cool, you're the coolest motherfucker in the room. Like Billy Bean in Moneyball is a cool motherfucker. And it's because he doesn't give a shit. And whereas you look at like as as good as I thought Brad Pitt tried to be in Cool World, he's trying to be James Dean, trying to be this noir detective, and trying to be cool, and it looks horrific. And not not to his fault, but obviously more senior now in Moneyball, and he knows like what audiences love, and like Billy Bean, we're not American, he's an American, like he comes off as an American hero, and we like adore him watching it. Most films, sports movies, biopics, kind of the true stories. Usually you root for the coach, no matter what sport it is. Like the coach is the guy who's grassroots on the field. And Philip Seymour Hoffman, who's fantastic, plays the coach in this. R.I.P. 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 Of course. And Brad Pitt is Billy being the GM of the Oakland A's. And normally you're like, oh god, the pesky GM's getting in the way of the team's business, and you know, like just let the coach coach. But in this movie, it's like, no, Billy Bean has all the answers. Like Brad Pitt is in the money ball here and it's like the coach is the one who's not adaptable and um it just kind of ha- like you just everything about him just like he's like a suave no nonsense he's like a more intelligent 
Coach Taylor from Friday Night Lights. Oh. It's great. And Jonah Hill's fantastic in it. And even the yeah. background characters, you'll watch it and you'll be like, I know him from this, I know him from this. Yeah. Chris Pratt's in it. Like, you mm. never ever think, like, when you think of Chris Pratt, you'll think of 20 things before you think of this. Yeah. It's just, and it's wonderful. And it's just, it's a feel good movie. And I think you can watch it and then, like, not in a bad way, but kind of forget about it. And then you watch it again, like, this is brilliant. And I only say forget about it in the sense that there's nothing awful that sticks with you. There's nothing that kind of makes you, like, think about it too much. It's just a really pleasant experience. And you can let it go and then come back to it in time. It's great. Like, I, I totally agree with it. Like, it's it's just, it's, it's one of those films that I can't explain why, but uh, watching the film gives me a warm feeling. Like if I'm in a bad mood, I love I love watching that film. It gives me this this sense of like it relaxes me. I don't know, it's it's the way it's shot. It's really nicely done. But I think you're right about Brad Pitt's character as well. Like, the thing about the way he played that is is like there's an art in in calmness and stillness. Like, you know, people think that you need to be you know, huge and big and uh, and bravado as an actor, and and as you said, like it doesn't, it clearly does not work in in cool world, and we've seen it at work in, in in many films. But there is just this coolness, this calmness. It feels real, like it feels like you're watching it in a way a documentary. Um, I don't like baseball, but I found myself just so interested after watching it. Um, like he's just fantastic. Johnny Hill's brilliant in this. Johnny Hill, in my opinion. What a career turnaround! Like, um, he was in danger of being typecast as the as the fat funny guy. It really brings me joy as someone who try who's trying to get into that. As someone who loves performance in general, um, like that was the kind of film I know he was in the Wolf of Wall Street and stuff. But it was like the first kind of film that I'd seen him in where I was like, "Damn, he's a great actor!" Like he could have easily slipped into. Yeah, I, I, you know, played the same thing in, in, certain, in certain films, but he showed he was like, no, you know what? I'm a real fucking actor, and he was great. I, I, I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Ferg. I think you know this movie shows that he's a real actor, and if anything, an underappreciated actor because one of the best performances I've seen. You know, it, it's it's rare that like I said I know we're we're, we're um, this is a Brad Pitt segment right now, but he, he does deserve. That the prize Jonah Hill because he's so good, maybe because he's so good, Brad Pitt can be so easy going in the movie, you know, yeah. as we were saying, so calm on screen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a, a great, a great chemistry between both of them. Uh, oh, yeah, there's, there's, there's a the there's a stillness and a calmness to his character, and then there's this kind of like still manic nervousness to Jonah Hill's character. And I, I, I just lo- I, I love you know, look, it's a biopic. It's it's true to life as it could have been, um, while still making it interesting. But I love all the backroom stuff. I love um, <laughs> I, I love when he takes Johnny Hill on as as you know, like hires him, like the yeah. way he confronts him. He's in this tiny little cubicle, and he's just like he's like, "What is Mark listening to you? Huh? Why does Mark listen to you? Who are you? What is Mark listening to you?" And he like confronts him, and he's like, "Um, I don't." He's like, "No, no, no, no. Mark listens to you. Why does he listen to you?" And he gives them all these information, and you have these old guys. You've got Art Mullen, who's in the the, the backroom staff. Those personal friends. Yeah, and they're going on about, um, you know, oh, he's got and and this like I looked it up like this shit actually happens like 
It's these it's like mad. old men that go like, nah, nah, he's got an, like an ugly girlfriend. He's got no confidence. Means he can't throw a ball. Means he can't hit a ball. And it's just, it's really interesting. And another thing that I read about was was uh, Chris Pratt. And, and Chris Pratt really wanted to be a part of the film. Apparently, at the time, they had told him he was too fat uh, to be in the film. Um, and they were like, you're at least 40 pounds overweight. It's not for you. Um, and yeah, you see him with Star-Lord now. And, and they made him go on this mad um, like regime, a diet, to, to get fit and stay fit. But it started with Moneyball, apparently, because he was overweight and he wanted that body that he was apparently constantly in touch with the producers and, and the script writers and asking them while he was working out, have you cast it? Have you cast it? Has it been cast? Have you decided on a solid person for this? Um, and they didn't. And he lost about 30 pounds, apparently. Um, wow. And then he sent a picture of himself and he said, this is the way I've lost. And they gave him the job. Because they liked his performance, but they just thought he was too fat for the role, which is a bit mad. Um, which shows like with the, with the dedication that he had, he really wanted it. Um, but look, look, and look I, where he's look where he's gone now as well. Oh, absolutely. But look, I, I'm going completely off off of Brad Pitt. Here. Like, if you can go back to Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt is just like yeah. as Butler said, like like what like what a leading man Brad Pitt is, and 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 he just has like he plays that character perfectly. Like the scene where he's trading, the scene where he's telling John Hill how to fire people, and the scene where he does let people go and like, you've been traded as this. He's just like there's an art, as I said, there's an art in stillness, there's an art in calmness, and there's a way to play that. And it, and like what I said, it just it just oozes coolness, and you just you're really rooting for him. Um, I suppose look if we're if we're going to move on from Moneyball, if anyone has anything else to say about Moneyball, we can. But I I was going to say we move on from Moneyball and say, is there anything else that you would put in the same line as Moneyball, maybe above Moneyball? Or anything worse than Cool yeah. World. Not that I've yeah. seen anyway. Brad Pitt movies I dislike. I don't think they'd be worse than Cool World, but before I say mine, does anyone have any honorable mentions on bad Brad Pitt films? Killing me softly. Awful. With James Gandolfini. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's a great cast. It's nowhere near as bad as Cool World. It's a watchable film. Out of films that I've seen, I, I looked at his catalogue and there's a couple of ones. There's one where he plays like a semi talented rock star, kind of like a Johnny Cash type character. Uh, it looks terrible. I'm never going to watch it. I don't know. Out of films that I've seen, Killing Me Softly was a, was a massive disappointment. And I would say that was... And again, look, this is the thing. Like, his performance wasn't bad enough, but I think the film was bad. And I'm going to be a bit controversial here because this will split opinions. Fury has to be up there for me. You don't You don't like Fury? I don't like Fury I, either. You don't I, like Fury? No, I hate Fury. No. Look, I don't think it's an amazing film, but I don't dislike <coughs> it. No, nah, it just just doesn't work for me. Um, look, you you have this fucking hard on, and I'm not going that route. I'm not. You will hear route. this through the next. <laughs> I don't know how many installments, but Golden loves his historically accurate films. The Germans wouldn't have done that. No, it's gone. I'm basing it on his his role in it. I don't like his character. I don't like the way he plays the character. Uh, it feels too Hollywood to me from start to finish and I don't think he's helped by the other characters that are with him within the, the tank itself I, don't, I just don't think it works chemistry wise I think, in fairness, I wouldn't have it anywhere near Kill World or some of the other movies yeah. that we've listed here already but I mean I don't, I don't disagree with you but I think that it's nicely shot I think the action is good I think the war scenes are good and what about you Butler? 
Uh, well, just just to, to touch off Fury, yeah, I didn't like it either. I think after you watch Saving Private Ryan or if you watch Band of Brothers, there will never be anything in the ballpark as good World War Two related as those two things. Uh, absolutely not. Yeah. Everything so, else, so, yeah, just very true. Like a very bad version of those mm-hmm. at best. Um, a couple of Brad Pitt movies that I, again, not as bad as Kill World, but stick out to me as like, Brad, come on, wait. Have either of you two seen Interview with a Vampire? Yes. That's terrible. Yeah, I, I don't like it's just it's a strange film. And uh, the other one I have written down that I'm not a big fan of is The Mexican. It's Brad Pitt, Julia Roberts, and James Gandolfini plays a gay hitman. And Brad Pitt travels to Mexico with his ex girlfriend, Julia Roberts, to find a mythical gun. Brad Pitt plays like a serial loser. And it's one of those films that you're like, why is this a film? Um, like, there's no mm. proper plot. You know, it's a bunch of pretty people popping around doing whatever, but it's 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 everything bad about movies. Look, look, is there any is there any films that you would like to give an honorable mention that do you think that he was better in than Moneyball? Um Once Put Time in Hollywood, which is his Oscar winning film. Absolutely. Is like again, if you go back to it when you're trying not to be cool, you're the coolest motherfucker in the room, that's Cliff Booth in Once Put Time in Hollywood is James Dean meets Steve McQueen meets like you know every sexualized perfect Ooh. version of a male. <laughs> the last thing I want is this to come across as snobby or anything. But do you think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a movie lover's movie? Like, do you think the average cinema guy would hate that? Uh, like, mm. I, if I can make two points on it, right? I think number one, I think that you have to kind of like Tarantino films. Um, like you like you like Django Unchained. Oh, I love you it. Like, do you like Kill Bill? Inglorious Bastards, which is what like I was going to bring Bassets. up as a shout yeah, out to Brad Pitt. The guy, exactly, and there's Brad Pitt again, who was brilliant yeah. and it was like hilarious. Yeah, in it. Hilarious yeah. in it, yeah. But I, I, I get where you're coming from, but it's not that at all. It's an alternate reality, and the way Tarantino describes something like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, there's a universe within a universe. If that makes sense. Like something oh, like it's... something like Reservoir Dogs is the real world. Something like Kill Bill is a film that these characters would watch in a cinema. And that's the way he describes it. And I assume that once upon a time in Hollywood would be something similar. To be honest, I completely understand that point. And like briefly bringing it back to that point that I was, you know, as you were saying, it has to be factually correct about war movies. I love Inglorious Bassett. I have to say it, it's brilliant. You know, it, it works because it's Tarantino. You know, it, it's so different. Uh, Look, I, th- this, I, th- I think you'd know. love it. I think you'd actually love it. I mean, oh, it's, it's 100% on the list. It's just, I think you have to be in the mood for a Tarantino movie. And look, if I was to wrap up what I need to say about Brad Pitt, like if I was to give some honourable mentions, I know it's cliche, I love Fight Club. I think Fight Club's a brilliant film. I love it. I love his character. Um, and I think that if I was to have one film that might be up there, at least top three, it has to be Seven. Because I think Seven is nigh on perfect. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yes. As, as, as of what genre it is. I don't think there's yeah. been a film since Seven in 1995 that has that has held up to that calibre of, of that type of film. Hi, welcome back to part three of Mom, I'm Making a Movie Podcast. And if you're still listening, 
by God, you're a trooper, and I salute you so much, and thank you, and please donate to us to keep this going. Um, so off air there, real quick, we just wanted to pick our movie of the week actor for next week to do the same thing, the highs of the highs, lows of the lows, and we flipped the coin. We had a ch- It was narrowed down to Michael Douglas or Tom Hardy from our list. Flipped the coin. Thankfully, we wound up with Tom Hardy, not to diss Michael Douglas, but Tom Hardy, I think, is a bit of a better catalogue. So we're now going to be looking at Tom Hardy's best and worst movies for next week. Um, his worst film, if anyone wants to ta- keep up with this and watch along, it's Dot the Eye. And his best film is uh, Mad Max Fury Road. So feel free to watch those and you can kind of keep up to us as we'll review and, and kind of give insights to them next week. So we're moving on to our next part, and it's Movie Love Lockdown, not featuring Kanye West, where we're going to quickly have a dip into streaming services and pick what we think would be good movies for you guys to maybe watch right now, whether it's current lockdown, wherever you are heading towards Christmas, or Friday night in, Tuesday afternoon hungover if you're a raging alcoholic like the three of us. We're going to pick you a film that you might just uh, unwind with, enjoy, whatever. And that's easy at your fingertips, very disposable. So I'll pass it over to Gogan if you want to give your movie love lockdown after a week. Yeah, I, I uh, look, my streaming platform I went for it was Netflix. Uh, the genre I went for is action. Uh, it's, it's a recent addition to Netflix. It's um, The Sum of All Fears. Starring uh, Ben Affleck and Morgan Freeman. <laughs> I wanted to get a good summary for this. Okay, so um, I wanted to see what Netflix have down, just to see how they're going to get their, their viewers into watching this movie. So this is what Netflix have: CIA agent Jack Ryan tries to discover why three missing nuclear scientists are holed up in Ukraine, communicating with neo Nazis. I was like, hmm, okay, doesn't really uh, dig into what the movie's about. So. I had a look elsewhere, and I think this kind of summarizes a little bit better. CIA analyst Jack Ryan uh, must stop the plans of a neo-Nazi faction that threatens to induce a catastrophic conflict between the United States and Russia, detonating a nuclear weapon at a football game in Baltimore. I really like this movie. Uh, Ben Affleck plays Jack Ryan here in some of all fears. Like... I, I, I kind of wanted to keep this short because I wanted to get one or two points down. And one of the points I have down here is it's believable because you can see it's it's USA versus Russia. But if you get some form of third party involved to get them to go against each other, especially when tensions are so high, how, how the movie plays out could easily happen. Okay, yeah, it could, it could flow a bit better. But um, I, I, I really like it. It's, there's a great cast, and my my review is a solid 7 out of 10. Now, I'm a big fan of the whole Jack Ryan series. Bit of a shout-out as well to the Jack Ryan series that's recently gone up as well. Fantastic. Fantastic TV show. Who's your favourite Jack Ryan? Oh, at Ooh, the moment, can we include TV shows? Yeah. No. It's your man from, your man from The Office. I I've watched I've watched two seasons of Jack Ryan and it's actually the first season's better, but it's like it could be a really throwaway series, but it's actually very entertaining. And there's a scene in the first season where 
basically they have like it's in I think it's in like Iraq and the or Afghanistan they have this prisoner held hostage and like the other terrorists kind of breaking in to try and free them and it's just really like it's one like the best ten minutes yeah. of a show I've watched. It's really gripping. It sets up the rest of the show very well and. Bunk from the wires in it as well. He plays Jack Ryan, senior officer, and they have a great chemistry. And he's great. He's great in it as well. He's, yes, uh, he is. It's um, it's great. And I think, as I said, John Krinsky, he's got the right blend of like handsome, charming leading man, but he's also got like a very down to earth approach to it as well. I think. I think he's very good at doing Jack Ryan. Yeah. If, if my, my, ask, my... As as this is a movie podcast, not to be uh, harsh, a stiffler here, but bah. this is a movie podcast. Who's your favourite movie, Jack Ryan? Oh, quickly, oh. it's Harrison Ford. It's Go not Harrison Ford. Ford. I know you don't like Dogan for the listeners here. Is no, it's is, it's it, no, your man. Hold on, sorry. So Gogan's hit, hates Harrison Ford, by the way. Um, you hate Harrison Ford. Yeah. I don't hate Harrison Ford, and this uh, is yes, blasphemy he here. I wasn't a fan of Harrison Ford growing up with his movies everywhere, but. I've come to realize everywhere. Some... You grew up in the nineties. <laughs> what were you running away from? Witness, like what? <laughs> Every Harrison Ford movie was just all over the place. Anyway, there is another uh, Jack Ryan. Believe it or not. Oh, Alan Baldwin. Thank you. Oh, that's yeah, my favorite. Yeah. That's my favorite uh, Jack Ryan. Oh, the Hunter and Fantastic. Yeah, exactly. What a movie. No, he's too cheesy. He's too hammy. What a movie. What a Jack Ryan. What more do you want? Are you saying you don't like Patriot Games or Clear and Present Danger? Mm. I don't like him in those movies. Wow. He doesn't play a good Jack Ryan. How do you not like Harrison Ford? I do like Harrison Ford. He just doesn't play a good Jack Ryan. Give me three Harrison Ford films you like. Oh, right now. Oh, oh. Air Force One. <laughs> Air Force Two. Air Force Three. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, Boom! Gotcha! <laughs> um, I, I do have a good Harrison Ford movies. Uh, the few. I put Indiana, Indiana, Indiana Jones, the one where he's in it with Sean Connery. Great Indiana Jones movie. Do you, you like, Buller just said one there, you like that one, obviously. The Fugitive. Oh, do you know what? I remember this. I remember this. He's got some weird fetish for US Gogan's, Marshals. Gogan's actually more of a fan of US Marshals than he is of, of, of fucking The Fugitive. It's a better movie. No, it's no, not. It's not. It is. It's, it it's is. just not. I and look, I like U.S. Marshals, but it's not a better film. It's just plain not. That's like saying yeah. I like kissing instead of sex. You might. As and well this is what I'm saying. Like, that's ridiculous. Gogan's claiming. Ridiculous. This is the thing: is Gogan claims he doesn't not like Harrison Ford, but quite clearly he has. No, that's a not fucking fair. Hard on for hating, hating Harrison Ford. What's what's the Harrison Ford movie where um, and he, it's one of the Jack Ryan movies? He has to go over to Columbia to rescue his men. William Dafoe was in it as well. Clear and Present Danger. That's that's one of my top three movies. But I still prefer the other guy is Jack Ryan. Alec Baldwin. The other guy, Alec Baldwin. Thank you very much. What about Patriot Games? No, nope. <laughs> I've given him my top three. Fergus, what is your uh, what is your streaming recommendation for the week? Okay. Thank you. Uh... <laughs> Swiftly moving along. Swiftly moving along. I could argue this all night, but we'll, we'll come back to Gogan's hatred for Harrison Ford. Um, my my one uh, is the Impossible. I really really enjoyed this film. Uh, the 2013 release, and it's a it's a true story as well. I for some reason am a fan of disaster movies. 
you know, cheesy-esque ones. But this is actually a real one. This is actually a film that's uh, based on real people uh, and their actual experience when there was a tsunami that happened in, I think it was 2005. It's actually, uh, it, it's a very good reenactment of... Oh uh, Yeah, exactly. It, it, it lands in the disaster film uh, category, in my opinion, because it's, it's um, the CGI, the, the graphics and stuff, and the actual scenes, like the tension of them getting caught it, you know, like there's a branch stuck on someone's leg, they're stuck underwater, and it, it has that kind of exhilarating kind of like, Jesus, are they going to get out of it? But it's based on what actually happened to an actual family. Um, Naomi Watts, Ewan McGregor, um, I know Tom Holland is young, but a younger Tom Holland as a child. Um, it's brilliant. And it's it's basically, I'll give you a quick synopsis. Maria Henry and their three kids decide to spend Christmas in Thailand, uh, but their luxurious holiday turns into a nightmare when a tsunami swells up unannounced thereby separating the family. Uh, and the film is this kind of like, it's this mix, in my opinion, it's a mix of like fast-paced kind of like Jesus heart-pounding, you know, people are in like danger. Or, like I hate the idea of drowning and um, yeah. getting stuck underwater. And it's that like intensity of it. Like the CGI is so good, but it's got the emotional factor of like, it's it's actually a real story. I, I, thought, yeah, I think it's, it's a brilliant film. And if you haven't seen it, it's well worth the watch in lockdown because it's a nice mix of big budget CGI with uh, an actual real life uh, harrowing story. So that's my uh, recommendation. And it's on Netflix right now, if, if that's what you're looking for. Bonner, give me what you get. Um, I'm going to pick, it's on Amazon. It's a big film to pick, but I'm only going to pick it because I feel like I still don't think maybe enough people have seen it. And it's Parasite. Yeah, I no, I agree with that because I don't think maybe a lot of people went to go see this, isn't it? Well, I hadn't seen it, so there you go. <laughs> and it's uh, it's the best picture this win this winner this year of the year of our Lord two thousand twenty, um, and it, it's a Korean film and won. It's the first foreign language film to win best picture, and it's about this family that slowly connive their way into this this rich affluent Korean family, and they kind of take over and move in and. I watched it because it won, and I was just like, "What's the what's the big deal with this?" And I, I don't mind a foreign language film, but I just want to, I want it to be entertaining because I mean, like, you have to really focus on it. And like straight away, like five minutes, into it, I was like, "This is great. This is really funny." And then it goes from funny to being really disturbing to back to funny to shocking to brilliant, and uh, it's a well-deserved Oscar winner. Um, yeah, but that that it it's fantastically shot. It's brilliantly acted. It's and again, like I'd be one of these people. Like as much as I love films, sometimes you can sit down to watch a subtitled film, and if you you need to be so in the mood for it, if you're not in the mood for it, you find your mind drifting. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, and the great thing about subtitled film is you can't be on your phone. You can't be just be like I'm on Instagram and watching this and so on. You re- you have to be glued in, and then you forget you're reading the subtitles after a while. Like you're just mm. you're just engrossed in it, and. Again, like I feel like it's one of those movies that, like, despite all the attention it got, and again, not to harp back to what we're talking about once we're talking in Hollywood, and not to sound snobby, but it's not a film the casual cinema girl will go and see. But I really feel that, like, if you only watch 10 films a year and you watch Parasite, you will really like it. Like, yeah. I think there's no reason yeah. to not like it. It's, yeah. it's, it's really, really good. No, I and agree. It's on with Amazon. Amazon. It's on Amazon, yeah. It's on Amazon. It's, um, <laughs> Gogan, I think, like, I really think you'd like, I'd be, flabbergasted if you didn't come away from Parasite thinking that was a great film 
And uh, to be honest, it's actually a great point you made there, brother, because um, I, I actually like watching subtitle movies. Um, like one of my favorite subtitle movies to watch, right? Like, geez, this sounds kind of weird, but I love Downfall because it's in yeah. in the actual language. It just makes it, you know, so much more mm-hmm. intense, believable, action filled. So, like, I'd have no problem watching it. it again. It's trying to find a bit of time to watch the movie, but. Daz Boo too, you love, don't you? I yeah, uh, that's I, I didn't want to mention it because it, it's another chairman war movie. But Gogan is a Gogan is a fascist. If anyone, <laughs> no, I, yeah. no, it, as it, it just it's, it's, it's just something something different to the harsh uh, English accents of movies. If I can, if I could just take that point and bring it back to the Jack Ryan films, and that you said that. Your favorite was the oh, hunt for Red October. Go. I'm not gonna let it go. Uh, the hunt for Red October. Um, oh no! Dare you, man? I, I, I can't Look. believe you're going to mention what you're going to say now. Oh, you know exactly. Only, you know exactly the, what I'm going to say. The, the man only is only dead a month. He's, he's only fresh, dead a month. He's fresh in the ground. He's not even cold. Oh, I can't. All right, R.I.P. Alec Baldwin is dead. Jesus, John what? Connery. <laughs> John Connery. Oh. In the film, plays a Russian officer, and he doesn't even half attempt to, oh, to oh. stray from his normal. The first life. five minutes, he does. And there's people. First five minutes, he speaks Russian. There's, there's people speaking to him in like kind of Russian diet, like almost a Russian accent, and there's other people that are doing English accents, and it's just such a mess. And he's just there, like, oh, the American shoppers trying to shake. Are you trying to be a Russian naval officer? <laughs> I don't believe it. I don't believe you, sir. <laughs> That's all I have to say. <laughs> I think we can. Yeah. I think we can um, wrap up our recommendations yeah. for everyone. And just to summarize, some of our fears available on Netflix, the impossible available on Netflix, and Parasite available on Amazon Prime. Watch at your leisure, or your leisure, whatever you prefer. Um, so we'll move on. Hi, welcome back to Mom, I'm Making Movie Podcast, part four. And again, if you're sticking around, bravo. We're many bottles of wine, alcohol, liquor, beer in. But you're still hanging around, we're still hanging around. So we'll still crack on with what we got for you. And this next part is, I suppose, it's something different that I hope you've never heard on other podcasts before. Basically, week to week, we want to try and create a film from scratch. And this kind of came about from the idea that a few weeks ago in our prep training for this, uh, Gogan watched Hubie Halloween and then I watched it as well. And it was just, it's a terrible film. And I got us kind of thinking like off the top of our heads week to week, could we make a film? We are not more talented than Adam Sandler. We know this straight away. And it's not that we can make a better film, but it's can that is possible that like, if you guys were listening this week to week, you go like, actually the idea you guys have, I wouldn't mind watching this. And that's the aim we kind of hope to have. Whether it'll come off or not, we'll either sound like geniuses or we'll look like drunken idiots, but we're willing to give it a gamble either way. So what we're going to do now is we're going to try and just come up with like what our movie will be. And then next week we'll kind of talk about who our characters could be and then what might happen and so on and so forth until it kind of looks like the bones of a somewhat decent passable movie, hopefully. So what we'll do tonight is, and we'll keep this very quick because we've probably kept your attention for quite long. We appreciate your time. We're just going to talk about 
what type of film we want to make. Like if we were producers in Hollywood right now, we've got our three-piece suit, we've got our fancy convertibles, cruising on Sunset Boulevard, we've got all the money in the world, and we're like, hot diggity dog, I've got a picture I want to make. What am I going to do? And I'll pass over to Fergus straight away. Like, if you were a big wig in Hollywood right now, what would you want to? What would you want to do? You know, if I had money to throw it, and do you know what? It can be done cheap as well. Like, I mean, it, it really depends on the mystique, and and I think maybe it might be hard to do because uh, we're not very intelligent uh, people. But I think maybe the three of us can make at least half a brain to to write something. Um, I would like to go for a murder mystery because I'm a big fan of thrillers. I'm a big fan of um, murder mysteries in general. Like when they're done well, like I love Seven. Um, I love uh, Prisoners. I love the idea of like a kind of a a murder happening. There's there's an idea of you, you you're trying to figure stuff out as the film goes on. Maybe like um, God, what's that one? I'm trying to think of. Uh, he can't remember anything like me right now. Memento, that's the one. Um, nice, nice reference there. <laughs> that I, I saved it with a reference. That's how I, that's how I remember things, people. Um, but I, I would go for a murder mystery. I, I really enjoy those types of films, and and I think we, we spoke about it earlier on. Like I love Prisoners. I think Prisoners is an amazing film, but I just don't think there's been like a film like Seven. I don't. I'm not. I'm going to say it right now. Mm-hmm. We are not claiming. If we do go for murder mystery, we are not claiming to come up with a new seven um, in any way, shape, or form. But I don't know. I'd like to go for it. I mean, look what, like what, what do you think? I can easily see murder mystery as well, and I think the, the the great point you mentioned there was that the movie Seven. That's the type of murder mystery I want to be going down the path of a kind of a dark set in that that time frame. That that's my idea of where I'd want to be going with a movie. There's too many kind of light-hearted, um, especially recently. I think it'd be great to kind of to go back to that genre of, of a dark kind of. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Like, I'm not, I'm not shitting on like, um, like I quite enjoy the the cheesier. Like, you know, um, mm-hmm. my parents are a little bit older, so I mean, I I, I grew up watching like Poirot and uh, and, and like you know, Murder She Wrote. Um, in my mind, I was, I was thinking maybe more murder mystery, but yeah, crime, a grittiness to it, like like prisoners or like seven. I mean, look, but, but what do you think? What, like, what's your opinion on this? Yeah, I, I like I I think murder mysteries is the way to go. Like, I mean, I love like Knives Out, the new Murder on the Orient Express. Uh, kind of France got a Death on the Nile coming out soon. There, like, it's kind of like a timeless genre because I mean, like, they have these new still murder mysteries coming out. They're still very watchable. And I has I also grew up with like those Agatha Christie Saturday afternoon movies because I had no friends. <laughs> but the thing is another great murder mystery of sorts film because it's a, it's a whodunit in a way, and um, yeah, they're great because like they're like they're very watchable and intriguing and yeah, definitely I think a murder mystery is the way to go with this going forward. Yeah. And to keep the listeners enticed, to keep you kind of rolling on the next week, I want us to kind of think about who our leading man, who our mm-hmm. debonair detective will be. Will it be a old school Scotland Yard 
detective will it be like more of a modern kind of knives out daniel craig type character will it be something completely different um you know would it be like more of a maybe a female detective that we don't really see much in films if i was making knives out too i'd have so and so on this whatever you want just comment and we'll move with it um so yeah so we'll move on to our final topic of the evening hi welcome back to the final part of mom i'm making a movie podcast and if you listen all the way to the end the whole star fair play hassalam alaikum you've done very well to get to the end and we'll try and justify it so the, the last part is we're going to recommend movies for each other for the following week so we've been kind of wrestling what to do are these movies you know they're they're a mixed bag of everything they're good they're bad they're horrific they're quirky movies we normally never watch but the other person kind of knows us well enough to be like trying to challenge us for a different film so and hopefully the, the end game to this as well is you guys who are listening can kind of if you've never watched these films pick them up and, and watch them in your own time and, and hopefully enjoy them so i'm gonna pass it over to gogan and he's gonna recommend three films for me and i'm going to pick one at random then and we'll go from there so gogan what, what do you got for me to to enjoy or not cheers adam um yeah so uh it's you, you broke it down quite well um so i i've gone for a movie that i i actually never had heard about watched it enjoyed um one that i had heard about and i was kind of expecting more and then obviously a movie that i loved now i base my three picks around <laughs> uh war and world war Two. so um you're going to enjoy this, Adam. Um, so the first one is a movie called Hurricane. I actually never had heard about. Came across on Netflix. Wasn't expecting too much, and actually, you know, turned out to be quite well. Uh, just give you a quick synopsis on this. Where as his as Hitler's Nazis threatened to take command of Britain's skies, a squadron of Polish pilots arrived to aid the Royal Air Force against a mutual enemy. To be honest. I, I really did enjoy this. Again, it could be that I wasn't expecting too much out of the movie. How uh, historically I, accurate is this one? It, it's very accurate. You is can it? actually look it up. This is half the reason why I brought this up because the treatment of the Polish pilots after they're successful in the Battle of Britain is disgraceful. It's a well-known fact when you look it up as well. So, um, oh, yeah, because like, they're, they're Slavs and Slavs weren't seen as political prisoners. Yeah, yeah exactly. Anyway, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd give it a solid 7 out of 10, Butler. So that's my first movie. My right. second movie is <laughs> one that... Was, Grace. Uh, <laughs> second movie is one that I was actually expecting a bit more from. Uh, I, I'd heard... I, I was kind of waiting on it to come out. Um, it's a movie called Defiance. It's starring I Daniel mean. Craig. So it's based on a true story. Uh, four brothers protect uh, more than 1,000 Jewish refugees during World War II. From what I remember, the brothers themselves are either Russian or Eastern European. Uh, so it kind of gives you an, an, an element of, of that side of, of the war. But this could be one that I kind of got lost with the trailer. The trailer looked really good. I was expecting a bit more. Overall, it, it's a good movie. Daniel Craig is quite good in it, but I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10. Um, but I would like to see what your opinion on it is, Butler, um, because... 
I, I, I think you might enjoy it a little bit more than me. And then I'm going to go on to my third movie. And strangely enough, you've already mentioned this movie in the podcast. That's Boot. That's Boot. Interesting. Have, Have you, you ever seen it? Seen it? Uh, no, no, but I've heard good things. Honestly, it's it's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's it, it just feels so raw and uh, believable. Uh, I hope he gets hurt again, personally. It gets 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I, I just want, I actually took this point down. The, the main character who plays the captain in it, Jurgen Prochnow, was actually born in 1941. Wow. Um, he would have been four or five when the war ended. But I, I, I kind of find it quite strange that he could go on to play a U boat captain. All right, in a movie, but he would have been alive. Granted, he was only four or five, but he would have seen the atrocities after the war had ended. Well, that that's actually meant that's that's a, a Isn't bad it? fact of it. That like, to, yeah, like it's like, I, I, and to be honest, like, it's scary in a way. Like, and you're watching that movie, being like, okay, and it, it it comes back to like you watch the English and American based movies of the war, and it's so yeah. over the top, like. These are guys who had, who would have had family who probably would have served in the war. They they could have been bad people. I'm not trying to defend them, but like yeah. go out and make and make a movie like this. It's fascinating. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I want to end on this point. It's the plot summary, and it's the best one that I found, and I think it sums it up perfectly well. The claustrophobic world of a World War II U-boat, boredom, filth, and sheer terror. Honestly, it it's such a good movie. I actually really want you to get this one, Butler. So I ha- I have the numbers between one and three, obviously not in order. But if you want to give me a number there, I'll, I'll let you know what you have got. Um, one. Oh, you got the fines. Okay, I'll say that. So annoyed about that. I put so much effort into that boot. <laughs> um. But yeah, look, you, you get the points, so um, enjoy. Um, Adam, would you like me to pass it back to yourself or Fergus? Yeah, I'll take it and I'll um, I'll give Fergus three recommendations. It'd be... So Fergus, I, I want to go for a team this week with one particular actor. I'm giving you a Paul Newman trifecta. Ooh, I love it. To enjoy. So I picked three that I think you haven't seen. Mm-hmm. And, and we can go from there. So the first one is... Uh, it's the 1963 classic Hood. I have not seen Hood, no. Hood is fantastic. Paul Newman plays this arrogant, horrible ranch named Hood. He's a womanizer. He sleeps with every married woman in town. He's idolized by his young nephew. And he lives with his father, his young nephew, and the housekeeper. His father hates him because he's partly responsible for his brother's death years earlier and they get into this, this dispute when one of the cattle develops foot and mouth disease and they argue about how to handle it and it's all about this toxic personality and how he just kind of destroys his family internally and it's just fantastic acting it's just a great film so yeah I, like, I actually like to sound like, like western obviously yeah Texas in the 50s so yeah okay. oh it's Texas in the 50s yeah, I was, I, I was thinking like you know way back. It's black and white, but it's these dirt roads and kind of like this old school, mm, yeah, last picture show type vibe. It, it, it's really really good. I like the sound of it. The second one I have for you is the nineteen eighty six classic 
and I can say this, the greatest sports of all time, it's the colour of money. I haven't seen it. Paul Newman and Tom Cruise, and sequel to The Hustler, if anyone hasn't seen that, it's also a great film. Oh, I've seen The Hustler. I, that, I, I feel like I, if you give me one more, I feel like, damn, I've seen very little. I thought I had seen quite a few Paul Newman films, but maybe not. Well, like the, the Colour of Money, I prefer The Hustler, but The Colour of Money, I think, is... is it's a better film to watch um, just as an average kind of like, you know, like switch your brain off type film. It's a really young Tom Cruise. He's a pool hustler. Paul Newman is a veteran pool hustler. He spots him in the corner one night in the bar, sees all the talent he has. He takes him and his girlfriend on the road and teaches them the art of conning people in pool. And it's all about, if you see the hustler, Paul Newman has this fall from grace and he's just this disgraced pool player. It's all about his redemption and return to form as he tries to coach a very arrogant Tom Cruise into the respectful skill of conning someone in a game of pool. And it's directed by Martin Scorsese as well. Oh, wow. Like this, it's this tour de force film. Tom Cruise, Martin Scorsese, Paul Newman. You can't go wrong with that. And it's just, yeah, that actually sounds great. As I said, Fantastic sports film and has a couple of great cameos from John Turturro and Forrest Whitaker as well. Oh, I love John Turturro and like that actually sounds amazing. And you know, uh, like Gogan, I love a sports film. It doesn't matter if I don't like that sport. I think with Pill as well, it's one of those kind of rare sports that like probably like baseball in a sense that to watch it live isn't exciting. But the way it can be shot through a film makes it quite mesmerising and yeah. dramatic more than it should be. Why are we even doing this podcast, brother? Because the <laughs> the medium of film is fucking mesmerising. That's what we're it doing. Is, it is. And I'll give you the last Paul Newman film. It's a Coen Brothers movie. It's called The Hutsucker Proxy. I've seen The Hutsucker Proxy. I like it very much. Yeah, I have it. Yeah, I, and I love it as well. It's great. For anyone who hasn't seen it, it's Paul Newman, Tim Robbins, and it's about a corporate executive tries to control his company by appointing a small-town naive business graduate to replace the president. It was Tim Robbins' naive graduate. He comes in, Paul Newman, tries to manipulate him, and it's a very funny, satirical look at like American big business in the 50s. It's well worth a watch. No, I'm a big fan. I, I Well, I love Colin British films in general, but I, I was a big fan of so I'll remove that and I'll just give you a straight one to two option. Um, let's just go to one. The Colour of Money. Oh, yeah. That sounded amazing. So I'm good. That one. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I like to sound that one. Very... very good, very good. And I believe the last round of this evening, and again, if anyone's still listening, uh, thank you very much. Uh, I've 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 three films uh, as we all do. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen all three. Uh, I like all three. Uh, some more than others, and some for different reasons. I'm going to start with a film that I love. Um, it's so bad, it's good. Gogan's <laughs> face just I'm very nervous. Uh, the film is called Over the Top. Have you seen it? I have not. Um, over the top by name, over the top by nature. Let me give you a quick brief synopsis before I even tell you who's in this film. A trucker decides to mend his relationship with his son after his wife's death. In the turn of events, he also participates in an arm wrestling championship 
in order to rebuild his life. <laughs> if, oh, I was to describe, if I was to describe the film myself, I would describe it as um, a cross-country trucker uh, tries to reconnect with his estranged son. Uh, and while he's doing that, uh, for some reason, um, enters into the World Arm Wrestling Championships and uh, decides, and the prize is a brand new truck. Uh, it's starring Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> oh, of course, <laughs> of course. Uh, the film is the film is from uh, 1987, and the best part of the film, in my opinion, is that Sylvester Stallone's character's name is the most American thing you can think of. If you could think of two really, really American titles and put them together, his name is Lincoln Hawk. Lincoln Hawk. I see. That's a good name. Now I'm not gonna lie. So, That's a good name. Yeah, so I mean, like, and Giorgio Moroder actually does the soundtrack for it. Do you know Giorgio? He's he's a he's a music composer, but he's actually on a one of Daft Punk's newest uh, albums. Um, the song's called. Oh, is that the? Uh, you know, my name is Giorgio. Might... Oh, oh no, no way! I live yeah, on the that's... second floor. <laughs> no, <laughs> Giorgio. Anyway, look, I'm going off topic here. But look, it's uh, um, uh, Sylvester Stallone plays Lincoln Hawk. Um, essentially in the film, yeah, he, for some reason, he seemed to have maybe impregnated uh, um, a much wealthier woman than him. Um, Feech Namana, well, I'm going to call him that from now on, Robert Loggia, he plays the, the granddad who's really rich, hates him, and uh, they become estranged. Um, the, the mo- like, this isn't really anything because it, it happens at the start of the film. The mother dies, he... Oh my God. <laughs> I'm not watching it now. Uh, he goes. He goes off to to find her. Um, but, you know she's dead. Takes the kid in the cross country thing. The best thing about this film is is um, I didn't know this was a real thing, but instead of actors for the arm wrestling competition, they use real uh, professional arm wrestlers, uh, which is I think the best part of the whole film. Um, and like. I, I mean, like, I mean, when I say half the film, I, I think the film's like an hour and a half. I mean, like, 45 minutes is dedicated to the actual competition itself. You're going to see the sweatiest man you've ever seen in your entire life. The arm wrestling scenes were all real, and they're fucking brilliant. It's so... And that's why it's called... It's it's called Over the Top, Over the Top by Name, Over the Top by Nature. And I'll stop there. Right. I think it's, it's brilliant. Um, my second film... I feel that uh, you would enjoy this. I don't know if you've seen this or not, but I thought I'd throw it in there because it's one of those ones that I was like, just, it's it's an easy watch, but it's actually, you know, that was way better than I thought it would be. It's It's got a good rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, have you seen The Grey? No. You haven't seen The Grey. I'll give you a quick synopsis. Okay, so John, a wolf hunter, is one of eight survivors of a plane crash. He must fight off a pack of hungry wolves, mortal injuries, and the icy elements to get himself and the survivors back to safety. That sounds quite good. Because um, I do like those types of movies where um, a survival type of movie, I suppose. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's a survival film. Like, look, they, they, they crash, like a plane crash lands mm-hmm. in, in like an icy, you know, wasteland, essentially, and they're trying to get back to safety. Uh, but there's a pack of wolves that are constantly on their tail hunting them down. And it, it stars none other than, than Liam Neeson as the main character. 
Um, Sir, wh- why didn't you leave it that Fergus? <laughs> I know. See, I, knew, I knew you'd love it. I knew you'd love this. And look, it's one of those ones that, like, it, it, again, like the CGI is like good enough. The tension built in it is great. Like from when they crash the plane, from when they discover the wolves. Like the wolves, like not to ruin anything, the wolves. You know, there's a party of eight people. They start attacking them. They're picking them off one by one. Until the end of the film, the wolves are just kind of like mysterious. You know, you only see them their eyes in the distance you're like classic wolves if you ask me yeah there's a fucking wolf in the distance there and you're like oh fuck oh jesus someone's gonna die and it's 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 tense it's great i i thought it was brilliant well well, i'm looking forward to hearing your third movie then i'm gonna go for my third movie and um a film called the end of the tour um Butler shaking his head. Butler shaking his head here. So uh, no, I don't know why he's shaking his head uh, because you've got you've got a massive hard on for this film. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> uh, don't listen to Adam in what he says. Uh, yes, I do have a massive hard on for this film. No, but like I think that this is a, a great film. It's called The End of the Tour. It's based on the true story. Uh, David Lipsky, a reporter from the Rolling Stone magazine, interviews acclaimed novelist. David Foster and Wallace for five days, during which they form a unique bond, released in 2015. This is why I'm recommending it. Because if you were to look at the cast and you look at this film on the outside looking and you're like, that is going to be pure shit. Jason Segal, who's a comedian actor. Jesse Eisenberg, who I personally don't like that much. I don't. I don't. I don't like him. I think he annoys me. You've lost me, Ferg. I can be understand. He knows me. Network is the only thing that he's good at, and that's because he's playing a pretentious wanker. No, and this and this is this is why this is why I'm stressing this because, yeah, you might be too far gone on Jesse Eisenberg, but if anything, your opinion of Jason Segel would be changed as an actor. And I will read you right now, just very briefly. I'll read you what, say for example, Rotten Tomatoes had said: brilliantly performed and smartly unconventional. The end of the tour pays fitting tribute to a singular talent while offering profoundly poignant observations on the human condition. And it, it, it's fantastic. It, Jason's Gal plays this guy who's this person that really struggled with the weight of uh, the fame that he had got. He didn't enjoy the fame. And the weight of this instant fame seemed to crush him. And this guy who's played by uh, Jesse Eisenberg, um, and he interviews him, and it's, it's really, it's this really tender, nice relationship. It's two fellas that become kind of friends that they've never met each other before, and it's this, it's a real, it's a real... I'm not, I'm not liking this, Fergus. Look, even if it's not picked, I would highly recommend watching it. So give me, give me a one to three. A tree, please. It is the end of the tour. Anyone keep the score at home? That's um, I'm taking the finance for the sake of the color of money and go with taking the head of the tour. So oh, that's um, that's kind of episode one wrapped up. Thank you so much for this. Now, I'll be got a very deep dive into Brad Pitt's career, some movie trailer breakdown, some streaming recommendations, a glimpse into where you know, a Frankenstein project movie that we're doing. And, uh, you know, some movie recommendations to kind of take on board at the end. Uh, so thank you so much for listening. 
guys, do you have anything else to say to our patrons who are uh, checking in? Only please keep listening and um, me sponsor Need Bad. Uh, Look, guys, our first episode, let us know what you think and uh, hopefully you'll tune in next week. I was just going to say cheers and thank you and um, until next week.